Alberta Premier Danielle Smith and Conservative leader Pierre Polyev are celebrating the Supreme Court's ruling on the No More Pipelines Act, which ruled it was largely unconstitutional. A signboard challenging the quote, mass grave hoax, displayed outside of Councillor John Robertson's home, has made him an outcast among his fellow Murray Harbour PEI councillors, including the mayor. Meanwhile, Polyev told reporters on Friday that the Trudeau government's use of the Emergencies Act to quash the Freedom Convoy was Trudeau's most despicable act. Hello Canada, it's Monday, October 16th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith is heralding the Supreme Court's ruling on the No More Pipelines Act as a win for her province and Canadians at large. The Supreme Court ruled in a 5-2 decision that the federal government's Impact Assessment Act, accused by critics of making energy projects virtually impossible, was largely unconstitutional on Friday. Speaking at a Calgary press conference, Smith said the law posed an existential threat to Alberta's economy and criticized federal ministers for somehow claiming the Supreme Court decision was a positive for the feds. If you believe in fairness, common sense, and the sanctity of the Canadian Constitution, today is a great day. We are extremely pleased with the Supreme Court of Canada's decision confirming the unconstitutionality of the federal government's destructive Impact Assessment Act. This legislation, also known as the No More Pipelines Act, but I've been calling it the Don't Build Anything Anywhere Act, is an existential threat to Alberta's economy. It is already responsible for the loss of tens of billions of dollars in investment and thousands of jobs across the country in many economic sectors. Today's ruling represents an opportunity for all provinces to stop that bleeding, rebuild investor confidence, and attract those jobs back into our economies. And today, I am pleased to, see, uh, pleased to say that Alberta is once again open for business. The court ruled that the act and regulations are unconstitutional and reaffirmed that the primary jurisdiction of non-renewable natural resource development is the sole jurisdiction of the provinces. And the court also ruled that they do not apply to activities that primarily fall under provincial jurisdiction, including conventional oil and gas, oil sands, hard rock mining, and other similar non-renewable resource development. These are substantial wins for the protection of provincial rights in our constitution. The legislation gives the federal government almost unlimited power to intervene in the approval of virtually any major project or in any part of the country and for any reason. Businesses agree with us. Six other provinces, as well as First Nations, who joined as interveners, NGOs, and Canadians from across the country who made their voices heard. And today, so does the Supreme Court of Canada. And we will continue to fight against Ottawa's unfair overreach that continues with their uninformed and unrealistic electricity regulations and oil and gas emissions cap. They uh, will damage our economy, they will stifle development, they will erode constitutional rights, 
And they will ultimately harm all Canadians by putting jobs at risk and making life more expensive. Alberta will simply not accept being handcuffed by Ottawa's unfair overreach with another blatant attempt to erode and emasculate the rights of constitutional authority of the provinces as equal and sovereign orders of government. Today's decision significantly strengthens our legal position as we work to protect Albertans and all Canadians from federal intrusion into our provincial jurisdiction. And we will continue partnering with willing provinces, First Nations and other allies in fighting unconstitutional federal overreach using any and all legal means available to us. And this includes potentially introducing a motion under Alberta's sovereignty within a United Canada Act. The court's ruling affirms Alberta's authority over non-renewable natural resource development or jurisdiction the province is keen to regain. Many companies have said that because they didn't know if they could navigate the regulatory process, they have instead pulled the plug, explained Smith. One example was the Energy East pipeline, which was scrapped because of Impact Assessment Act concerns after $1 billion had already been spent on it. Alberta currently has no major projects in the queue for natural gas. The Supreme Court ruling was also lauded by Conservative leader Pierre Polyev, who said the government has violated constitutional rights of Canadians with its anti-pipeline bill. Polyev pointed to countries having to rely on gas exports from dictatorships like Qatar, which has offered shelter and support to Hamas terrorists. Today we learned that the Supreme Court of Canada has found Justin Trudeau's no-new-pipeline anti-resource law unconstitutional. Yes, Justin Trudeau, with the help of the NDP, has violated the constitutional rights of Canadians to develop their own natural resources. He has blocked natural gas liquefaction facilities. He has blocked lithium, cobalt, and other mines. He has prevented Canadians from producing resources and bringing home powerful paychecks. He's done it all to appeal to a radical NDP agenda that wants to leave all of our resources in the ground and all the money in the pockets of dictators. Polyev reiterated his pledge to repeal the act entirely, replacing it with one that consults First Nations and protects Canada's environment. Honestly, after seeing the Supreme Court rule in favor of the carbon tax and the Liberal government's other environmental measures, I was particularly surprised by this ruling which came out at the end of the week. I think this is a huge win for Canadian energy supporters. This ruling essentially opens the doorway for more arguments in favor of provincial jurisdiction over natural resources and energy development. I saw the federal government kind of play this off as a victory when it was totally the opposite. The Supreme Court shut down one of the most restrictive energy policies that the Liberal government introduced in its past tenure. I would imagine that the Liberals are worried about this. They have said that they will accept the court's ruling. I mean, what other choice do they have? But I think the ruling itself poses a threat to some of the other initiatives the Liberals are intent on bringing in including the clean electricity regulations, for example, which were announced by Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson earlier this year. 
And I think many of the same arguments against the Impact Assessment Act also apply to the clean electricity regulations, which is a plan to get the provinces to get off of fossil fuels by the year 2030. While that might be possible for places like Ontario or Quebec, which have a large amount of hydroelectricity available at their disposal, the same can't be said of provinces like Alberta or Saskatchewan, which rely on natural gas and fossil fuel resources to supply energy to most of their people. Cosman, to be completely frank, I've become quite pro natural resource development over the past few years. When you look at what constitutes Canada's economy, I mean, it's propped up by immigration and it's propped up by real estate. And Canadians, we are in need of prosperity. I don't think there's been a universal declaration yet that we're in a recession. I've seen a couple op-eds or columns here and there saying, yes, we are in a recession. It's just no one's really admitting it yet. But we really need some prosperity here in Canada to solve these issues that we're having. If we could rely more on natural resource development, then we wouldn't have to have mass immigration and, you know, have this national pastime of trading houses for inflated prices. Yes, I think fundamentally it's a removal of red tape, which is beneficial to most Canadians, because if we can get these pipelines built, if we can supply Europe with the energy it needs. We can also get China and Asia off of burning coal by supplying them with clean Canadian natural gas. That is a net benefit to the world. And the liberals here who claim to be on the side of the environment never speak about these issues. They only ever speak about almost negligible uh, emissions happening in Canada. We have a small population. We don't have the population of China, of India. We are the solution when it comes to this. Truth, mass grave hoax, reconciliation, redeem Sir John A's integrity. This is the message that was displayed on a signboard outside of Councillor John Robertson's home that has made him an outcast among his fellow Murray Harbour PEI councillors, including the mayor. Terry White, mayor of the village of 260, is calling for Robertson to be removed from his council position and is working to see what can be done. Council cannot remove Robertson without provincial intervention, which White is trying to coordinate immediately. Council also voted unanimously for a third-party investigation into Robertson and how he is using the signboard located on his own property. The old sign was destined either for the regional 70-mile coastal yard sale or the dump, but at a September 2021 council meeting, Robertson bought it for $50. Generally, Robertson displays messages such as Welcome to Murray Harbor, Merry Christmas, or Congratulations to a Recently Engaged Couple. During last year's Freedom Convoy, Robertson displayed the first message that could be considered political, support the truckers. While his Freedom Convoy sign caused a local buzz, it didn't get into the press. It is only now with the reconciliation sign that everyone has gone ballistic, in Robertson's words. Robertson told True North, quote, It's on my property. I own it. It's beyond the road limit. It doesn't contravene any laws. 
It's within the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You can have an opinion, you can express it, and you can have your own thoughts, and I don't consider this council's business. While Robertson's critics have accused him of being poorly informed, in the two and a half years since the Tekemloops Nation of Kamloops, BC, announced it had confirmation of the remains of 215 children who were students of the Kamloops Indian Residential School, no bodies have been found. Cosman, as Robertson pointed out, doesn't he have a right to display this message, especially seeing as the sign is on his property, it's at his home, and, you know, he's allowed to have his own opinion as well. Lindsay, I hate pointing out the double standard, but it always comes up. If there were any other counselor who had a Black Lives Matter sign on their property or a sign that advocated for keeping sexual orientation and identity ideology in schools, the reaction would be completely different. I don't think counselors, including the mayor, would be calling for this specific counselor's removal. In fact, John Robertson was elected by his constituents and has every right to remain in that position until there's another election. So for the mayor to go over the people's heads and try to manipulate some process to have this counselor removed simply because he does not agree with messaging presented on his own private property. I think it's ridiculous. I think it shows what is wrong with a certain segment of the population who is unwilling to take any difference of opinion from their colleagues. In fact, I would question his own constituents and see how many people agree with John Robertson's message. So absolutely, I would agree it's within his rights and it isn't the council's business, what you display on your own private property as an elected official, as long as it is within the bounds of the law. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev delivered a scathing critique of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act to quash Freedom Convoy protesters during a press conference in Vancouver on Friday. Poiliev minced no words in his condemnation of Trudeau's decision to invoke the controversial act last February and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh's support of it. According to Poiliev, it was one of the most despicable acts seen during Trudeau's tenure. Question about the pro-Hamas protests that have been taking place. We've been seeing them across the nation pop up, including in Vancouver, and as you mentioned about the day of rage that's planned for TAE, we also see that more are scheduled, including in Vancouver, with little to no consequence for organizers or attendees. In contrast, as you well know, when everyday Canadians gathered in front of our parliament to oppose things like vaccine mandates in the Freedom Convoy, the Emergencies Act was invoked to crush their protest, as well as to freeze bank, bank accounts, etc. If your party forms government, what will it do to ensure that such an egregious double standard doesn't take place for who has the right to protest in our country? That's a very good question. Uh, an excellent question, in fact. Uh, Justin Trudeau's and the NDP's imposition of the Emergencies Act to crush the civil liberties of Canadian citizens was one of the most despicable acts we've seen uh, under his government. I will ensure that never happens again. 
I will protect people's freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and freedom of expression. Uh, we will make Canada the freest country in the world. Uh, and uh, at the same time, I will exercise my freedom to condemn anyone who celebrates the murder of little babies, of grandmothers, the rape of mothers that has uh, unfolded in the Middle East because of the evil of, of Hamas. No Canadian should stand with an evil, sadistic, terrorist death cult like Hamas. Uh, people are free to have their own opinions, but uh, I'm free to condemn those opinions as a citizen myself. And we also know that under the law, Hamas is a terrorist enterprise. It's criminal to provide material support to Hamas. So I want uh, to make sure the police enforce the law by investigating and, and uh, charging anyone who provides money, organization, or other support to help Hamas carry out terrorist attacks against civilians or anyone else. The invocation of the Emergencies Act last year amidst nationwide protests against vaccine mandates and pandemic-related restrictions was widely condemned by civil liberty groups as an overreach. The Emergencies Act granted the government broad powers such as the ability to order bank accounts frozen and indiscriminately arrest protesters. Poiliev's announcement comes as Jewish communities across Canada continue to live in fear of pro-Hamas protests following the terrorist group's attacks on Israel. Some of the uh, context behind this is that Poliev was asked about the pro-Hamas protests happening across Canada. Poliev was in Vancouver where there was quite a large gathering, I think multiple gatherings by this point, in support of Hamas and against Israel's retaliation to these attacks. One thing Poliev also added was that while he is against Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act to quash peaceful demonstrations, by that I mean the Freedom Convoy in February of last year, he did say that he maintains his right to denounce any protests he views as supporting terrorists or condoning violence. A question I think a lot of people are asking and pondering. Just tonight, I saw the Freedom Convoy trending again on X within this context. And that question is, why hasn't Ottawa cracked down on the pro-Hamas protests in Canada like they did with the Freedom Convoy? Why haven't they frozen bank accounts of pro-Hamas protesters? I would agree with Polyev here that... The invocation of the Emergencies Act absolutely was a despicable act. It was so insanely overblown. But if I answer your question in earnest, Cosman, I think on some level, you know, Canadians and, and others, we see these pro-Palestine protests, and it's almost hard to take seriously because these people live in Canada, and there's a reason they live in Canada and not in the Palestinian territories. Are they really such die-hard patriots of the Palestinian nation if they actually choose to live in Mississauga or Edmonton? And I'm sure in those crowds of, you know, pro-Hamas protesters, 
there are people with military intelligence or people who are directly supporting Hamas's operations in some way. So I think on some level, Canadians just think of these people as misguided. And that's why the federal government isn't cracking down on these protests and why they're not freezing bank accounts is because there's probably this sentiment that, ah, yeah, these people are just misguided. I believe that the uh, threat felt by Jewish communities in Canada in response to some of these demonstrations and some of the messaging that's being put out, you know, graffiti, all kinds of um, chants, is very real. We see Jewish schools having to be protected by police forces. And to me, there is a discrepancy here, right? Because Hamas is an internationally recognized terrorist group. Even Palestinian authorities distance themselves from Hamas's activities. So I think it's absurd that the justifications that Trudeau used to invoke essentially war measures against a freedom convoy don't apply here. And it really points out the hypocrisy. If you recall, the federal government you employed anti-terrorist and criminal financing, money laundering laws to crack down on Canadians who were out there opposing vaccine mandates, essentially, and the lockdown of the country. But here we have people protesting in support or rallying, rather, in support of what Canada considers a terrorist group, and yet they don't apply the same standards. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the government is giving a free pass. They don't apply their own standards to people that they are, in some sense, potentially sympathetic with. In my own personal opinion, I think measures that are intended for war should be only applied in the direst circumstances when there is an enemy at the gates, when there is a war that is impacting your civilians and your own sovereignty. And that wasn't the case with the Freedom Convoy. We all saw the protests. We all saw families coming out in what was essentially a celebration for Canadian identity. So again, they don't abide by their own standards. The liberal government has shown consistently that they only do what is politically opportune for them. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Plus, The Andrew Lawton Show will be live at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And Ratioed with Harrison Faulkner will be live today at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.